Um, we are going to conclude today our series called Wisdom for the Home, studying the book of Proverbs. And the title of the lesson today is The Wise Home. We're basically going to summarize everything that we've talked about. But before we do, look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. If you have not read the story, you surely have sung the song in Sunday school at some point in your life about the wise man builds his house upon the rock, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, the rains came, the floods rose, and the house either stood strong or went, you know. Um, I, I think we've all probably sung that at some time in our life. That's, this is where that comes from. Verse 24, Jesus is speaking, the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Therefore, by the way, this is the conclusion of his sermon. So when he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, he is directly referring to everything he's just taught. So he's just spent three chapters teaching these principles for life in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he summarizes it by saying this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And verse 29 tells us why. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Just a sidelight, what a difference. These people had heard biblical teaching for a long time from their teachers. And the Bible says they were amazed at the difference in the way Jesus taught versus the way their religious leaders taught. Because Jesus taught as one who had authority. Now that word authority means power, insight, effectiveness, um, energy. In other words, when Jesus taught there was a supernatural effect that took place. Anytime you and I have an opportunity to teach the Scripture, unless the Holy Spirit of God energizes both the messenger and the message recipients, we end up being just like these religious teachers who just say words that mean nothing. It's the Holy Spirit who takes these words and makes them alive in our life. But the thing I want us to focus on real quick before we review what we've learned about how to build a wise home, is what did Jesus say was the difference between the person who built a wise home and the person who built a foolish home? What is the difference? Well, I want you to notice first some similarities. Number one, the teacher was the same. Jesus, the one who taught with authority. He taught both the wise and the foolish. So the teacher was the same. Number two, the message was the same. He said, those who hear these words of mine, look at verse 25, 
Verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. In both statements, Jesus is referring, first of all, to the wise, second of all, to the foolish. In both statements, he says, You both heard these words of mine. So the message is the same. The teacher is the same. The message is the same. What is the difference? What makes one wise and one foolish? Let's look at the two verses again, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, that statement is the same for both, wise and foolish. Here's the difference. And puts them into practice is like a wise man. Verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. So what's the difference? One does what he says, the other one doesn't. It's that simple. You can have the greatest teaching in the world. We can have the greatest message in the world, the Bible. We can know everything about it. If I don't do what it says, I'm just as foolish as a person who never heard it. So that is the key, is that we take what we learn and we put it into practice. That's what makes a wise home. You know, there are homes all over this country falling apart every day who know what to do, but they don't do it. Now, there are a lot of reasons why we don't do it. Either we're distracted, we're tired, we don't have time, we don't fully understand how. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people don't put into practice the things they've learned from God and His Word. But the truth is, the, the foundation here is, if what we learn from God's Word is going to make our home a wise, protected home, we've got to put what we learn into practice. Now, let's go through a couple of things here. First of all, um, we've got two parts to our outline. Number one, the wise home is built upon the principles of God's Word. Now, there are three things here. Number one, we hear it. We already talked about that. Number two, we do it. We put it into practice. I've put a little parenthetical note here to make sure that we understand this. We will not always do what's right. I mean, I I know what's right. I know what the Bible says. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to do it. And honestly, I'm doing the best I know how to put these things into practice. Do I always do it right? No. And neither will you. We make mistakes. We have lapses in intelligence. I mean, we just do that. We're humans. So here's the deal. When I don't do it right, I have two choices. Either I realize it, I ask God to forgive me, I get up and I do it again and try and do it right this time, or I just say, well, I tried, I couldn't do it, forget it, I'm not going to try anymore. And we just quit. Those are the only two choices. Now, which choice do you think Satan wants us to do? Number two, I tried, I can't do it. He is the accuser of the brethren. You know what he's going to tell us all the time? I don't even know why you try. You can't do this. Do you know how many times you've tried to have family devotions and you still don't do it? You might as well just quit. You know how many times you and your husband and wife have tried? You've said you're going to pray together and you never do it. You might as well just quit. You're never going to do it. By the way, you know why I use those two? Because those are two that we struggle with. I mean, you get busy. 
Those are just two practical examples. There's lots of things. Listen, we're all going to have times where we don't do it right. God knew that. That's why we went through the whole process of sin and, and how you get forgiveness and you get up and you keep going. So, please understand, the way to build a wise home is to put into practice what God has taught us. We're not always going to do that the right way. So you just, when we, when we blow it, get up, start over again, try and do it right the next time. Don't ever, ever, ever quit and give up. Don't ever give up. It'll work out, but don't ever give up, okay? So, then number three, success and failure depend on it. I mean, this, this is not, I mean, it'd be okay if I do this. If not, it's no big deal. God says, the wise house, when the winds came and the storms blew and the rivers rose, it stood firm. Notice something else that's common about both wise and foolish man. The rain came, the wind blew, and the streams rose for both of them. Difficulty in life comes to everybody, whether I'm wise or foolish. It's going to come. My success, my ability to endure, totally depends on whether or not I put into practice what God has taught me to do. So this is not a, if I do or if I don't, it's no big deal. This is a critical piece in my life. The success and failure of my life before God depends on it. Okay? So, it becomes very important. Now, let's real quick go through and review some of the, uh, the things, well, not some, all of the things that we learned. Okay? I've summarized them for you in your study sheet. I'm going to just go through these real quick. We're going to summarize them. Then I'm going to stop and give us an opportunity to talk about these things. Okay? Um, I want you to be able to ask questions. Hopefully, we've all learned something that has affected our life through this eight or nine weeks. Um, if, if truly we're building our house on the rock, which are the principles of God's Word, hopefully something in your life over these last eight or nine weeks has changed or been enhanced because of what we learned. So I'd like for us to have an opportunity, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to turn this off, but I would like for us to have an opportunity either to share a testimony about something that you're working on in your life and it's helping or it's really changed you, or maybe a question you have about, well, how do we do this or how do we do that? or We talked about this and I don't fully understand that, okay? So we're going to take a little bit of time to do that. So let's go through and just review the lessons we had and kind of the basic principle that we need to put into practice, okay? Number one, we talked about avoiding trouble at home. Basically, this means this. Every member of the home needs to be saved and obedient to the Lord. Doesn't mean every member of the home is perfect. I hope you don't ever look for that because you ain't ever going to find it. We all got problems. And unfortunately, till we get to heaven, we're going to keep having them. So, but the two critical pieces are every member of your family knows Christ as personal Savior, has a personal relationship with Him, and has at least the desire to be obedient to Him. <laughs> Again, doesn't mean we always are, and we won't always be, but but that's what we want to do. Okay? Then you got some you got some foundation to work together on. We want to, but I blow it. Well, let's get together. We want to do what's right. I know we had a rough time. I know we didn't really do this right. Let's work together and help each other. Okay? Number two, we talked about the power of a prudent wife. I don't know if we can fully comprehend 
the importance and the impact of the wife and mother in the home. As you study the book of Proverbs, God does address responsibility to man. But it's brief. He spends a whole chapter talking about the amazing impact that a virtuous woman has on her husband, on her children, on the community. He doesn't do that about the man. The prudent wife, what are the basic principles here? That a godly woman is very influential in the home. The little statement, if mom's happy, everybody's happy. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's about as true as it gets. And ladies, that shows you how important you are in your home. The power God has allowed you to have within the home to impact your home. And gentlemen, for each of us, it ought to make us very, 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 very thankful that we have a woman who impacts our home in a positive manner. Because I can tell you, there's a lot of homes that don't have that. And fellas, as far as I know, you all got that. Uh, I got that. You better thank God that you got it. It's a biblical principle, okay? Number three, we talked about the virtuous woman, Proverbs 31. What a chapter. Um, if, If I were to encourage young men who are looking for a wife, Study that chapter, memorize it, know every principle about it. That's the kind of woman you need to look for. Now, remember, they're not all perfect. So there is not a woman who exemplifies every one of those characteristics all the time, every time. However, look at the heart behind the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman, the lesson there is that a godly woman is the key to stability in the home. If you study Proverbs 31... As we did, you find that a godly woman impacts her community, her children, her husband. Everything about them, even their success, is impacted by this godly woman. So, ladies, you have a very, very important place in the home. Then number four, we talked about wealth, things, and the home. Two basic principles that God taught us. Contentment and proper management of the resources God gives us is critical to us having a wise home. Contentment being our attitude, not keeping up with the Joneses, not lusting after having more things, not i got to have this or i got to have that, um, but contentment with whatever God provides and then proper management. We're stewards of what God gives us. Okay, Number five, <coughs> we talked about avoiding the house of the wicked. A disobedient member in the home can cause destruction to the entire family. It only takes one member, and it can disrupt the whole family. And another piece we learned is that friends are critical. (coughs) Peer pressure and influence of friends does not end when I turn 20. Peer pressure is not just effective during the teenage years. Peer pressure is a fact of life till the day we die. The friends and companions that we have God teaches play a huge part in what kind of people we are. That's why community within the body of Christ is so important, that you connect with each other, you spend time with each other, you gather together to encourage and pray for each other, because that is such a big impact on our life. Okay. Then when you come to the next lesson, you see this again. This is the lesson we did on wisdom for raising children. Four basic steps in raising children, or parts of raising children. 
teaching them. They can't do what's right if they don't know what's right. They have to be taught. Biblical discipline. It has to be done properly, in love, the right way. But it is a necessity to training children. You can't train children without discipline. Companies can't operate without discipline. There has to be consequences when the rules are broken. God's economy functions with discipline. Hebrews 12, whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Okay? But you, we've got to learn to do it right, out of love, the proper way. Then number three, there's not only teaching and discipline, but then there's our example. Most of us learn best by modeling something we've already seen. That's how we learn best. When I first started preaching right out of Bible college, I modeled men I had seen do it that I admired and they did it well. That's how I learned. I can tell you, there was no class throughout Bible college or grad school that taught me how to do this. It taught me what to teach. It taught me how to prepare. It didn't teach me how to sit up here and make it understandable and how to present it. I learned that from watching other people. Our children do the same thing. They're going to learn from watching us. I think I've told you this before, but, you know, when you're growing up, you're, you, you hear this, and, and when you're growing up, we, we sort of deny it. You know, you're going to grow up and be just like your parents. Ladies, you're going to be very similar to your moms. And guys, you're going to bear some characteristics of your dad. Oh, no, I'm not. I am not going to grow up and be like him. No, I'm not. Well, i got news for you. My dad's in heaven. I'm 51 years old. I'm almost exactly like him. And I said I would never be like him. I can't help it. He's my dad. I have his genes. And for 20-something years of my life, I lived in that home watching what he did. Example is something you cannot get away from. So our example becomes important. And then the fourth thing is the associations that our children have. That is a critical part of training our children that a lot of times we forget. It is our responsibility as parents to teach our children what kind of friends they ought to have and to help direct them in that direction. They're children. And if what we just learned about avoiding the house of the wicked, if friends and peer pressure plays a big part in that, didn't that or shouldn't that, just by common sense, be a part of what we teach our children? Sure it should. So, those are the four basic ways of training children. Then next, we talked about protecting the marital relationship. Basically, protecting the husband and wife relationship so that adultery and the sins of the flesh do not creep in and destroy your marriage. And they will. It does it all the time. We looked at several things, but the, the basic things were, number one, understanding the process of sin. How we're tempted, how we're drawn aside, and how we're enticed, and then how it, how it turns into sin. Real quick, is it a sin to be enticed or to be tempted? Yes or no? No. No. Sin, when it conceives and produces action, the Bible says in the book of James, then it becomes sin. When that enticement produces action, the action becomes the sin. Until that time, 
I can still win. I can still overcome it if I do what God says. Okay? So the first thing is to understand the process of sin. And then I've got to guard my own heart and I've got to grow the marital relationship. And I gave you four things that we learned in the book of Proverbs about growing the marital relationship. First of all, contentment. The Bible says we're to be content with our mate. Everything about them. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, be content. Number two, consideration. We have to think about them. We saw this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Consider the other partner. The physical relationship, for example, is not all about me. It's about considering my wife and her needs. It's not all about me. And we use the, the very common phrase, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. If that's all your physical relationship is, you've got big problems. That, that ain't what it's about. Study 1 Corinthians 7. It's about the other person. Okay? Then number three, communication. You've got to talk. And remember, you're married. There's only one relationship in your life that ought to be deeper than the relationship with your spouse, and that's your relationship with God Himself. Your best friend is that person you're married to. If it's not, you need to fix that. That's your best friend. If there is anybody else in your life that you tell things to that you don't tell your spouse, you're headed down a dangerous road. There is nothing I tell somebody else that I don't tell my wife. Nothing. Unless it's planning a surprise party for her. But there's nothing else that I would tell somebody else I don't tell my wife. If that's communication. So you've got to learn to communicate like that. And then finally, consecration. I have to be totally committed to my spouse. There is nobody else other than God that takes higher priority. My spouse, other than God, is the highest commitment in my life. Okay? So that's how you protect the marital relationship. And then finally, last week, we talked about the three pillars of the home. Wisdom, which of course is skill and the application of knowledge. Understanding, which is ability and insight. And then knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And knowledge, of course, is knowing and, and discernment. And then we learn how to produce these three pillars in our life. And it brings us right back to where we started today in Matthew chapter 7. How do we produce these three things in our life? How do we build them? By knowing God's Word and putting into practice what it says. So we're right back where we started from, okay? So that's basically the summary of what we learned in our study on wisdom for the home out of the book of Proverbs. A lot of stuff here. Hopefully you'll be able to take this summary, review it together as a family, and do your best to put into practice the things that we've learned, okay? All right.